Okay, welcome, 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 welcome everyone to this week's episode of Kuden. Boy, I tried to sound like a radio announcer. I should probably stop. Anyway, hey, Dachian Miller here from Warrior Concepts and uh, Online Ninja Academy. Got James in the wings, hanging out and being being my producer, like he's the in charge, high potentate ninja hiding in the corner. Anyway, all right, so uh, episode 196. James, we need to start planning for episode 200. That's Coming, going to be coming up really, really soon. So uh, I don't know. I need to plan something really, really cool for that one. Um, anyway, so um, if you were on for last episode, it doesn't really matter if you were on or not, um, but if you were on, you kind of have a little bit of a heads up on uh, kind of where I'm pulling things uh, for this episode as well. But this is Sensei. This is Aishian, whatever you want to call her, right? She would just say, call me Ange. But anyway, um <clears throat> We were away uh, on a much-needed getaway, right? She and I like to go on uh, cruises and go visit other countries and things like that. Anyway, uh, we were away for, uh, would be uh, 11, 12 days, something like that, but 10 of it was on a ship. And so uh, last episode, um, I called out something that, um, you know, when you see negative things that happen or when you see uh, people who should know better uh, not doing those things, Right? They make for really good lessons, or at least for reminders if you're just going to remind yourself. Uh, but several of these things occurred. And last episode, so if you had missed it, catch, uh, go back and watch uh, episode 195. It's on YouTube. It's on our channel, and it's in the live section. Just click on that button. Um, anyway, so uh, this one, same thing. Right. So um, give you a little backstory here just to get started before we officially get started. Um, uh now, I, I was uh, retired from, from law enforcement work and military and all that um, before I met my wife. But while she feels very, very safe when we're together and her being connected to me and all that wonderful stuff, um, there's times when, I don't know, she thinks it's, she thinks it's, I don't know if she thinks it's funny anymore. She used to think I was just paranoid, but... Um, if I'm looking around, if I'm just scanning, right, um, not, I'm not looking for anything. How do I tell her this? Um, what are you looking at? Nothing and everything. I'm just scanning, right? Uh, developed this when I was a bodyguard, uh, all kinds of things, right? And so um, she'll lean over and, and say, okay, cop eyes, what are you looking at? Right? And I'm not looking. Like, I'm not looking for people to be doing things wrong. I'm just I'm just looking, right? I'm just generally scanning the area, but uh, a lot of these things end up becoming um, second nature, right? They just become what they are, right? And so uh, during this episode, I want to take a look at uh, this idea of what you see. Talk a little bit about more about what I saw, at least during one incident uh, on this on this trip, and how it directly plays into a huge area of training that is in the scrolls, but it's not in very many dojos, right? So we'll talk about that and more when we get started. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need 
without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. You know, we need to go back to that slogan more often, I think, right? Um, because there's a lot of us that are in this art that, um, and while I once was, injuries and meds and all kinds of things tend to take their toll on the on the body. But there's a lot of us that are not 20-somethings, arrogant personalities, 12-pack abs or whatever. And um, while there's a lot of folks that are looking for that, to be that, regardless of whether they think that they're going to be that forever or not, um, the reality is is that there's a lot of us that that <clears throat> um, just have, you know, what they call them dad bods. That we, we just have a regular, you know, have, have a regular life, right? Um, we're not trying to be a superhero. We're not trying to be the guy, but we are trying to be that guy or that girl within our family, within our circle of friends, maybe at work or whatever, that people can depend on if they need to, right? Um, and there's no reason, regardless of what anybody says, that we, uh, you or I, should be, uh, here's a belief, right? Sometimes they say it, sometimes they don't, right? Either we are absolutely incapable of defending ourselves because we're not in rock star shape, or, I don't know, the implication that we don't have the right to defend ourselves because we're not in that kind of condition. So um, I saw a really great meme, uh, I think it was earlier today, um, where uh, the, the premise was around fighting old, old people, right? You don't want to fight an old man. Three reasons you don't want to fight an old man. First reason is that if you win, you beat up an old man. That's not going to go well for your image. Two, if you lose, you got beat up by an old man. Three, old man's probably not going to fight you. He's probably going to shoot you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was funny. But anyway, um, but that points to another episode, maybe, or another topic uh, for another day where, uh, you know, we're we're in need to, right? We're trying to be warriors. uh, And that's not just a word that gets tossed around. And hopefully that's not you. Right. That, that tossing it around kind of thing. Um, but if we understand the implications, then warriors are always armed, regardless of whether we're carrying our own or we see them in our environment everywhere, because everything can be one. Or even if we couldn't have one where we, where we are and the bad guy shows up, the mentality is immediately. Thanks for bringing my weapon. I appreciate it. Right. Which is why we learn disarms and retention and all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, so. Uh, if you missed the, uh, the intro before the, the intro, right, that I always do, uh, I was talking about, uh, uh my wife and I had just recently been on another cruise and we went to, where we go? We went to the Dominican Republic. We went to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, we went to Grand Turk and the Turks and Caicos. Uh, we just love, love to travel and the Caribbean is a beautiful place. Anyway, so, <clears throat> Um, last episode, uh, I mentioned uh, something about uh, an incident that I had. And it's not a bad incident. It was just something that 
if you know what you're looking for and you pay attention and whatnot, um, these things tend to be like a punch in the face, right? But I saw a police officer with a gun that was so rusty it was the same color as his brown holster, right? So anyway, if you missed one uh, episode 195, you can go back and check on that. But um, we were on a ship for 10 days. I mean, we had four land-based ports and whatnot, so a bunch of hours that we were not on the ship. But for all intents and purposes, we were on the ship for, for 10 days. So um, that Xi'an got in a lot of uh, people watching, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> uh, I, you know, got a chance to notice quite a bit. But there was one incident uh, in general. It was the last evening. They always have these... Um, in this case, uh, the, the cruise line called it a hot white party, but that just means like, if you want to play the game, everybody shows up dressed in white because they have like glow sticks and they have, uh, black lights going and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a, it's just a big party, right? In the, uh, in the main atrium area, right? Um, cruise director's doing his thing and whatnot. If you've ever been on one, I highly recommend it. Uh, but anyway. So um, I just found myself, I, I caught myself being in what my wife calls cop-eye mode, um, but I caught myself categorizing people. And it wasn't, like I, it wasn't like I categorized everybody, right? There were just certain people that stood out. Before I go into that little moment, um, <clears throat> I'll give you a little backstory here. So... Over the years, uh, training with different teachers, uh, including Hatsumi Sensei. In this case, I'm going to, I'm going to describe something, uh, that went on in one particular class with Hatsumi Sensei in Japan. But different words, different teachers, different times, all has the same meaning, right? And while we could sum it up with the term pay attention, um, it goes way deeper than that because, um, James, which program do we have? Uh, well, I guess it's, the, it's in the uh, eight phases, right? Um, phase two is situational awareness, right? Which is where most people start. They just wouldn't call it a, a phase two. But phase one in our uh, in our our framework is general awareness, right? But this isn't this isn't like being out in the world and just generally being aware. That's that's not what that means. Situational awareness is I'm out in the world or I'm in my office or I'm in my home or getting in or out of my car or whatever and paying attention to my surroundings. That's what most people mean when they when they say pay attention. Right. General awareness is the work that you do in and out of the dojo during your study and research to understand what you should be paying attention to and how to establish baselines, what looks right, right, based on the context of the situation you're in. What stands out? What deserves your attention? How to prioritize, right? Where's primary, secondary, tertiary threats? Those kind of things, right? I know. There's no kata name for it. But I got some cool Japanese names for you uh, because they do kind of come out of those things um, for those of you who need them. But uh, <clears throat> one of these times in class, and again, this, this was the use of a negative role model to make a point, okay? And again, this kind of thing happened all the time. This is just one that comes to mind, right? So uh, we had been doing some training. Hatsumi Sensei called um, a senior out who had, was visiting uh, Hombo Dojo 
called him out to demonstrate something. He came out, demonstrated. We must have worked on, uh, as we said, they, you know, obviously fixed any errors or just took that and ran with it. That's what most people are used to in Japan. And um, we must have worked on that technique, I don't know, 30, 40, 45 minutes, right? I mean, just variation after variation after variation, pointing out points, those kind of things, right? And then he called somebody else out, and they demonstrated something. And even though I gave it, like, kind of a sideways glance, right, um, it wasn't because I didn't understand it. It was because I had different thoughts. Anyway, went to train with my partner. We were lucky if we each got a chance to try this thing out before Hatsumi Sensei called us back. And I thought, okay, he's either going to fix it or he's going to do, you know, a variation or whatever. Uh, he called somebody else out to demonstrate something completely different. And now to give you a little bit of extra context, when the person who we only did the technique, uh, maybe one time each, maybe, right? When he and his training partner came out to demonstrate, um, he had a very large ego bone, if you know what I mean. If you don't, you probably just think I just was just lewd, right? But uh, in Japan, the sternum is called the ego bone, right? Because they both, uh, the word is kotsu, right? Um, not kotsu-like essence, whatever. But uh, sternum is kotsu, uh, and ego is kotsu. So the sternum is called the ego bone. Right. And it's because people with a big ego, they lead with that juts out. Right? And that's how he walked out. He had this little bit of a swagger, even though he's from Spain, um, walked out had this cowboy swagger. Right. Had this little look in his eye. Right. Did this technique. And like I said, like a minute or two later, got called back. Said they called somebody else out. Demonstrate. Right. We worked on that technique. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Right. And then. But it, it wasn't just that flow. It was <clears throat> the moment between finishing the attempt to practice the short <laughs> moment, right, and the new guy coming out to demonstrate that Hatsumi Sensei said, this is very important. You need to be able to discern the difference between a good technique and a bad technique by just looking at it. You need to be able to tell a technique that even if it's rough around the edges, even if the person's taijutsu isn't perfect, but strategically and tactically it's sound. You can work with that. You need to be able to tell the difference between that kind of technique and a technique that will get you killed. And then he turned it over to the other person to demonstrate the, the next thing that, like I said, we worked on for 20, 30 minutes. And <clears throat> I mean, that was, it should have been a huge kick in the nuts, except that the person that he was referencing still had that same ego bone thing going on, that same look in his eye. And now he's looking around at everybody with a smile on his face and he's nodding. Right. You got to love it when somebody has no idea when they're the focal point. James, you and I had a conversation about somebody that was trying to, interject something about self-defense at work earlier, right? You want to, you want to share that little story? Just, you can just abbreviate it, but. <clears throat> I was just, I don't even remember exactly what it was about, but he, uh, 
he always has the uh, need to add to the conversation with a he's done or his buddy's done or whatever. And, uh, and better. And better. <laughs> yes, always better. And uh, everybody knows that's how he, that it's going to happen. But uh, in a conversation, he actually said that uh, in such things, it's always the person that always has something to say is that uh, they're always the one that, what was it? They're the ones that don't know very much? Yeah, the person who talks the most is the one that's done the least or knows, or, uh, yeah, Yeah. has done the least and knows the, actually knows the least amount of stuff. They just talk a lot. Who, but everybody else except him all thought he was talking, he was definitely talking about himself in our context of that situation. And didn't you call him on it? Did did you hear what you just said? Oh. Yeah, everybody, you know, did, did you hear what yourself, what you just said? And he was yeah. totally, totally yeah. oblivious. Yeah, so. I'm right. Yep. yep. <laughs> anyway, sure so, yeah, so, the but I've heard this over and over and over again about um, learning how to see, right? And so... Obviously, the topic for this episode is what do you see? Okay. Because we all see things, um, you know, unless we're blind, but there's insight, there's foresight, there's all kinds of things, right? But as long as the organ's working, then, you know, you have this, this, uh, this, uh, attribute of sight. But there's a difference between having an organ that's functional and having a mechanism that gets that image to the brain and the brain processing the image um, so that you can recognize it and what your brain does with it, what you do with it, right? As far as uh, putting more attention on it, dismissing it. Your brain processes things all the time. Your eyes... All of your senses are on 24-7. But how many things do we not see, hear, taste, whatever, because we're busy paying attention to something else? Or, I never noticed that. Didn't even know it happened. Didn't even, you know, didn't even bounce around my radar. Okay? And so... This is one of those lessons, and I call them different things at different times. I call them soft skills. I call them invisible lessons, whatever. But these are lessons that have been passed down, and they're an integral part of our training. But because so many choose to spend their attention, awareness, energy, focus, whatever, on just the physical fight moves, they miss it. They don't understand. And it's important that we don't get, we, we don't, we don't get caught up in this thing that uh, one of my teachers called, and, and I just remembered it here not too long ago, and I've been using this more and more often, because I used to say not being married to, but I, I want people to think that, like, I, I think that marriage is like ball and chain, and you're trapped and all that, because if you feel that way, then you made a serious error in judgment or 
you know, you've got this belief system that you, you can't make another decision. But there's one thing that warriors always do, make decisions. Or if I made a bad one, make a different decision. Okay? The only person that, that enslaves you or traps you is you. Right? But um, the, the, the new phrase that you'll hear me saying a lot is technique prison. Okay? And that shows up in lots of different ways, and I'll probably do an episode uh, on that because that's, that's multi-layered as well. Um, but there's all of these skills and knowledge and experience and choices and perspective and all that that, that make up so much a part of a defensive action, right, or a survival uh, plan or anything that if we if we can if we understand those things, then we can see how the techniques are like the least important part. Okay? Well, that's the thing that keeps you alive, is it? Or is it knowing which technique to use, which skill, which target to hit when, when to move, why? Right. So I guess it's debatable, but I guess it, it depends on who I'm talking to. Okay? Uh, one of my teachers one time said that having conversations with some people is like trying to have a conversation with a six-year-old about how the, an internal combustion engine works. Well, why don't you do it this way? Because like, if you do it like this and, and whatever, and this is the most important, and this piece right here is, is more important, if you took that and moved it over there, and they have no idea how this thing works. And having a conversation with them, I believe it would make me more insane than, or more ignorant than them, because I'm having, trying to have a conversation or win an argument or whatever with someone who has no idea about the realm that they're discussing. Okay. So, you know, I mean, this goes way beyond, does my foot go here? Does my foot go here? What are we looking at? Right. What's the angle of the punch? Why does that matter? Well, somebody doesn't understand Tai Sabaki. Okay. So anyway, um, but this is idea of, of, looking and seeing and, and faculties, right? So um, with my with my inner circle group, my, my uh, personal students, and I even mentioned this, I think, in last week's Whiteboard Wednesday, I think. Um, I've been diving more and uh, like another round into a group of uh, skills or a group of, wow, abilities, not techniques. They include techniques, they affect techniques, but they themselves, I have a hard time calling them skills, so I'll call them abilities, right? Um, that come out of the Gyokoyu. These things are not in the Densho. They are not, um, they're not in the Makimono, not directly this way. But it was something that Takamasate had written up. He, I mean, he wrote up all kinds of things, extras, that he gave to Hatsumi Sensei uh, as he was passing this stuff on to him, right? Um, how to build a fortification, how to govern a province. What the hell does that have to do with combat? A lot. Huh? You can create enemies if you don't know how to manage your family or you don't know how to govern a progress, uh, uh, province or you don't know how to um, manage interpersonal relationships at work. All kinds of things, right? So 
um, and building fortifications, well, that's the kind of thing that makes it difficult for bad guys to get at you, right? So, and it doesn't have to be brick walls. It doesn't have to be gates and armor, right? could be setting up um, limits and boundaries in my life. Okay? Think of them as, uh, as gates, right? Nobody gets to come in that gate unless I allow them. Okay? One of the jokes that my wife and I have with each other, because um, I, I just I told one of my, my students uh, the other day, he thought maybe my wife was a black belt, and I said, oh, she's a black belt, all right. Not in the martial arts, but one of these days I'm going to get her a black belt, and I'm going to have it embroidered. It's going to say Angela Miller on one side, and it's going to say whoopsie jutsu is the art on the other side, right? Because when we wrestle and all that kind of stuff, she can't hurt me that way, but, man, she's caused some damage accidentally quite a bit, right? And so, anyway, um, th- these um, these skill sets or these abilities um, come out of this thing. Again, uh, Takamasa said they wrote this, this treatise on uh, the Kihon Hapo. And see, I know where most people's head already went to these eight physical step-by-step techniques, except the Hapo are not that, right? These are fundamental areas or abilities that are both areas of study and abilities to be attained. For those of you who go through the Miko training with me, whether you went through the 37 fundamentals or you went through the first seven steps on the path or whatever, these things are there, right? These kind of things are there, not not the same ones I'm going to be talking about, but this idea where here's this, here's this grouping of things, right? Um, in the 37 fundamentals uh, program, we, we did this and we looked at it where in one grouping or one teaching, there's these five areas and they're called potentials. But you go to the next one and it looks like it's identical, except now they're called wisdoms. Well, they're potentials when you're working on developing them. You're working on understanding them. You're training. They're wisdoms when you have attained them and you can use them, right? That's what these hapo are like, right? And so hapo itself, remember the word hapo doesn't mean eight things. It doesn't, I mean, it can mean eight ways, but that's not what it implies. That's not what it implies. As a matter of fact, we didn't start, we didn't start looking at a listing of eight techniques. Like most people think of the kyanpo until the mid eighties. From what I understand, long before I came on the scene, I came on the scene in 1980, right? Long before me, the training was the same as I was introduced to it, and that led all the way up into, what, 85, 86, something like that, when these list of techniques or list of katas started coming out and things started to be, become crystallized, right? It's like your eyes are moist. But you wake up in the morning, you got all that crusty gunk shit on. Well, that's what that's what the training starts to become like. And that gunk shit makes it difficult to see and you can even glue your eyelids shut. So I think it's a perfectly good fucking analogy for what ended up happening. And it's sad. But this is an old guy just ranting. So you can just ignore it. Um, but. Uh, Hapo is a contraction. Right? It's a Japanese linguistic thing. It's a contraction. Uh, kind of like the word uh, kanjin. Right? If you 
came up through school and you learned a little bit about history, you learned about this guy named Eli Whitney who invented the cotton gin, right? No, Eli Whitney did not invent the cotton gin. And I'm not going to give you a different name of somebody else who did or whatever. Um, there's no device in history ever called the cotton gin. Cotton gin. What the hell is a gin? As far as I know, it's a spirit. It's alcohol, right? I know what cotton is, except that he didn't invent the cotton gin. He invented the cotton engine. So running cotton through and separating the, the fibers from the seeds and the, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but linguistically, in the South, right, it became a contraction. Cotton gin, right? So hapo is the same, right? Hapo, hachi, eight, whole. Whole becomes pole when it follows certain words that when the mouth is coming together. It's kind of like um, hanbo. Right, Hanbo. If you see the kana writing out Hanbo, right? H A N B O. Hanbo. Han, half, bo, stick, staff. Right? But if you hear a Japanese person say it, they'll say Hanbo. H A M B O. It's just this linguistic change, but doesn't make it a hambo. Right? Or a ham bone. Right? So, uh, Anyway, there are these eight areas, right? I'm not here to discuss the eight areas or anything like that because it, it's just way too deep. I've been probably taking the next several months during our uh, personal development week with my inner circle guys um, and doing, you know, most of them will be hit. But, you know, over the next probably three months, four months, um, we'll focus on one, which will bleed over because these they're, they're all kind of they all affect and are affected by the others. Right. Um, I'm going to talk about two of them tonight. One, one more specifically, because we're talking about sight. Okay. Um, but what I do want to mention before I, before I go into the next piece here, is, you know, I came from a lot of martial arts. I mean, I wouldn't say the encyclopedia of martial arts, but I trained in my fair share of styles before I got to this art. And uh, it, it was mostly technique. It was mostly skill. It was mostly what most people think of as martial arts. And then I come to this system, and I start hearing things like this one, okay, which is directly related to these things I'm going to cover. This or these things are not martial arts, or they're not self-defense techniques, but they have everything to do with self-defense. Well, that made my brain lock up. What the hell does that mean? It's either self-defense technique or it's not. Okay? What do you mean? It's not a self-defense technique, but it has everything to do with self-defense. Okay? Well, my ability to pay attention, my level of awareness, I call it focus, concentration, or whatever, right? it's not a self-defense technique. It will enhance my self-defense techniques, but it will also enhance communications, interpersonal relationships, uh, my ability to uh, know what needs to be done, uh, success, goal attainment, all those kind of things, right? It's not just limited to this little corner, right? Um, and that's the problem with compartmentalizing our lives, right? If it doesn't have a Japanese or Chinese or Korean word to it, and it doesn't look martial arty, and it doesn't have to do with like ducking punches or knives or bullets or whatever, then 
I don't even think about that when I'm playing with my kids or when I'm walking the dog or when I'm putting a puzzle together or whatever people could be doing, right? Hugging my wife, whatever. Um, now I'm, I'm speaking third person because it does have everything to do with those, right? The Chinese had a saying or have a saying that the way one does anything is a good indicator as to how they do everything, right? So if we compartmentalize martial arts training and we don't see how the discipline, the uh, focus, the awareness, those kind of things, right? Prioritizing, uh, triaging threats, challenges, problems, or whatever. Um, if we don't see how that's a life thing and not just a martial arts thing, then that would explain why a lot of people only feel like they have a lot of control in the dojo or when they're training at the park on Saturday or whatever, and everything else is falling down around them. Because okay? martial arts is my life. Again, being facetious. So anyway, um, one of these uh, eight, one of these hapo, right, is, and this comes from the Gyoko school, right? Uh, one of these is, is called ganho. Gan ho. Gan is another way to pronounce the word bay. It means I. Okay? And ho is method or way, right? So gan ho is the way of seeing. Okay? But it's not just one thing. This is a very, very broad category, right? So it's everything from understanding how the eyes work to knowing what to pay attention to, to uh, knowing how the eyes can be deceived. I mean, it's everything about that kind of process to understanding sight consciousness and how that can be manipulated, how that can be deceived, those kind of things, right? But then if I combine that with one or more others as I'm studying, then it leads to other things, right? So one of these other things is known as uh, one of these other eight categories is called seishin, okay? And I know a lot of you have probably seen this, right? It's in the uh, Nijitsu History and Tradition book, the first book that came out in English from Hatsumi Sensei, um, in, the, in the list of 18 study areas for a ninja, right? Uh, seishin Teki Kyoyo, right? In that book, it's defined as spiritual refinement. I, talk, I very often call it personal development, know thyself, all those kind of things. But it's, it's not that simple, right? Um, and actually, all Japanese endeavors, martial arts, religions, spiritualities, those kind of, they all have seishin, okay? Because it's an integral part, right? Seishin can be translated as mental training. It can be translated a lot of different ways. But at its core, it's about um, psychology. But not just intellect, right? That also includes uh, emotionals, right? emotion, emotional intelligence, moods, um, yeah, those kind of things, right? It's 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 based on everything that you've learned, everything that you've experienced, right? Um, interests, preferences, perspective, right? Um, <clears throat> those of you who've 
gone through some of the Mikio training with me, you can hear some of these things from the Noble Eightfold Path popping out. Call it what you want, but I, ultimately we're talking about the same principle, right? So uh, Seishin is, you know, uh, from the mind side, from the intellect side, everything you've been taught, teachers, parents, grandma, whatever, um, and everything that you've taught yourself through experience, through interest, through mistakes, through successes, whatever, right? Beliefs, facts, knowledge, whatever, okay? But it's the inner world that you're processing everything else with, including what comes through these things, okay? So if we combine... And again, there's lots of other things, right? Because there's shuho, right? Hands, right? Which is everything from how the hand works to how you apply things, techniques. There's, uh, uh, soku, There's all kinds, of, there's breathing. There's all, all kinds of things in these eight. Um, but what I really want to do is tie into these because, um, the seishin, right? The, the psychology, the mental training, right? what we've studied, what we're interested in, what we dismiss, all that, right? Um, it, it's part and parcel to the filter that's between the sense organ, in this case the eyes, and what you're going to do with it on the inside, what you choose to pay more attention to, whatever, okay? Um, I keep mentioning Mikyo. On the Mikyo side, right, and, and I mentioned this in the previous uh, program we just finished the um, first seven steps on the path uh, in Mikyo this is called Butsugan enlightened eyes wisdom eyes right? so see different words different realms but it's the same thing okay so <clears throat> what what we're looking at here is no pun intended what we're looking at here um is not just being aware, not just looking, right? But processing it, right? When I look at something, what do I see? Not just on the surface, right? Can I see someone's agenda with the story I told earlier, right? That's what they pointed out, right? Can you see the difference between a good technique or uh, and a bad technique, or does just anything that's demonstrated on somebody's website or YouTube that has the word ninja attached to it, um, or that looks cool and flashy, or it looks uh, deadly or whatever, um, do I just accept it? Right? Somebody has a black belt around their waist, so therefore. Somebody doesn't have a black belt around their waist, so therefore, because I think martial arts are shit. Not me, but I'm talking about different personalities. Right? You don't need that chink shit. You shoot him in the face. Right? Now, no, I'm not being racist. And I'm not being um, that kind of person. I'm just repeating back what I've heard. Okay? So let's be warriors. Put your big boy pants back on. And uh, let, let's not be offended. Okay? Anyway, <laughs> I've always thought it was funny. People get offended at words, but they're training to not die at the hands of somebody with a sword. The hell is that? Right? Jesus Christ, me. Seriously? That's one of my teachers used to say. <laughs> my wussy hurts. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, let's get back to the cop eyes, right? Um, I started developing this even before I got involved in this, or I guess maybe simultaneously, but I didn't know about the skill. It was just this came in through the experience of uh, having eyes in the back of my head because as a cop, you know, you're not just dealing with the people out in front of you. And in today's world, you know, people have believe it's perfectly okay to just walk up and shoot people just because of their job, just because of the color of their skin, just because of their belief system, just because of whatever. And we need warriors to step in and fucking take over again. And I know how these people believe that they are, but as far as I'm concerned, and I know it kind of sounds ninja-like for them to do it, but um, the, yeah, there's no there's no movement, right? They're just a terrorist. Anyway, all right. So um, when I was when I was scanning the area, right? And again, this is something that comes with time. Because half of this is training, right? Because if we're talking about gun hole, right, with uh, the way of seeing, right, part of it, a good part of it, way early on, right, it's an area of study. Everything from the eyes and whatnot. As a matter of fact, speaking of eyes, um, I, I did a program a bunch of years ago. It, it was, uh, I did it for my inner circle guys. Uh, it's called Bushi no Mei, right, the eyes of the warrior. Um, James, if you could put the, the link up to it. So it's a, it's a three hour program and I go through five levels of sight mastery that's been passed down and they didn't all come from the Bujinkan and whatnot. There, there's names and there's, uh, similar things in it. I just didn't get it all from that, uh, that single source, right? So it goes from everything from what's known as Nekugan, right? Naked eye. And just understanding how the eye, the, the physiology, the biology of the eye works, right? And all the way to the brain and just how, how the mechanism works. We're not talking about the psychology, right? Just how that image gets processed, right? There's chemical processes in there. There's electrical firestorms. There's all kinds of stuff, right? But then what we would normally call Seishin, right? The psychology kicks in, right? There's sight, but there's also sight consciousness. There's all kinds of things, right? So anyway, the program goes to, uh, if you're interested in this kind of thing, right? Uh, takes you through five levels of sight mastery. Um, again, just with the eye side of things, eye, sight consciousness, and what we can do with our eyes to speed up response time, to not be caught by distractions and faints, all that kind of stuff. There's no techniques in it, right? This is a this is a learn how the damn thing works and then work exercises and whatnot to be able to isolate, identify, and improve a skill set. But gone whole doesn't stop there. Gone whole, right? The way of seeing goes into and again, if we're combining it with Seishin and whatnot, now like do we pay attention to our environment? And to what degree? And how, what do we know about that and how it can help or hinder, right? A self-defense situation. What type of self-defense situation, okay? I could be, this, this environment can be perfectly fine for one-on-one -on -one grappling, striking, whatever, but gunfire, holy shit, this is the worst place I could possibly be, right? Because 
in one instance, I don't have to worry about trip hazards. I don't have to worry about, you know, things getting in my way, uh, getting knocked over something, whatever, right? But in a different situation, I now have no cover. I have nothing to put between a bullet and me, right? So how do I look at it, right? Um, how do I look at his posture? How do I look at, uh, you know, his clothing, um, you know, the way he holds his hands and where? What does that tell me about his fight style or how he probably prefers uh, to attack? During an attack, right, I always teach my students, um, Kamai comes first. And I don't mean just that you go to Kamai before you do your counter-strike before you kill him. I mean, if you're in a street situation and somebody's coming at you and they start throwing things, just use Kamai the first two, three, five times, whatever, um, not just to evade, but that gives me time to get my head more fully into the fight because it was probably a damn surprise because I'm not the Joe Jackwagon that goes out drinking and, and gets offended by everything and then wants to jump into a fight, right? Um, but it gives me a chance to be a ninja and watch how he punches, watch how he kicks, what, watch what he does when he misses, those kind of things, right? It gives me information, right? It gives me knowledge, they seem right gives me things to work with okay but i have to know what to look for right i have to be open to seeing things outside of my um, predetermined beliefs about how people fight or what people like this are like or uh maybe i don't think anything about him i just transfer what i believe well, I would do it this way, so that's what he's going to do. And then you're, you know, sucking your steak through a straw for the next 10 months. You know, whatever. Right? So it has to do with those kind of things, but it goes beyond that as well. And again, Bushido Mei doesn't cover this part. This is just the next piece, right? So it's related to insight, right? Seishin is past knowledge, right? From the dojo, from school, right? If I learned a little cool physics thing about leverage and uh, whatever, how you know how to distract somebody, or, you know, whatever, right? That's that's knowledge that somebody else taught me, whatever. Okay, so that my own experiences against people this tall, this build, whatever, they tend to fight this way, the way people stand this way. Um, clothing, I've worn clothing like that. This guy looks like he's a Taekwondo guy probably shouldn't be wearing those tight skinny jeans because that's going to get in the way, right? Uh, or whatever, as soon as he starts kicking off his, his shoes or his flip-flops, right? Oh, okay. He is a certain, he's within a certain classification or certain category of fighter. Not a specific style. There's several styles, there's many styles that fit into certain classifications, right? So, um, but that's insight, right? That's going to give me insight into what I'm probably dealing with. It's really, really important, okay? But that, coupled with what I'm paying attention to in the moment, produces something else. It's called foresight, okay? Um, if you've ever had a job, if you've ever had a family, you've ever applied for a job, you've ever, who knows what, shopping at the mall, whatever, okay? Um, you have seen people do things. Okay. Uh, let's go back to most common things. Family, work, 
clubs or associations, dojo, whatever, okay? You've recognized that certain people, right, have certain personality types, but more than that, they have habit patterns. And they tend to do things the same way, right? Different than second-guessing somebody. Second-guessing somebody is you just guessed. You made an assumption, okay? But most people aren't that aware of their own routine habit patterns. But your family is. Your dojo partners are. Your coworkers are, right? Um, the last thing you want from an enlightened base, anyway, is for people to know you more than you know yourself, all right? Because they can manipulate you, they can control you, okay? But, let's roll that around, okay? If I have experience with this person, or if I have experience dealing with somebody, or I've trained in that particular fight style, that particular martial art, or whatever, now I have something, not just insight, I have foresight, right? I have an idea about what he's going to do, right? What he's most likely to do. I'm not trapped by it. Not technique prison, not trapped by it, but, right, I've, there, there are these things, right? So I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to be neutral about that. I'm going to keep watching to see if he violates that. Cause again, I don't want to be stuck in my own belief system and then die as a result, right? But that gives me foresight. All of your training, if done properly, gives you foresight. Unless you're only ever training against somebody who throws Bujinkan Pajitsu introductory classical attacks. Ski, front stomp kick, those kind of things, right? In which case, you only have foresight against somebody who does that. Okay? So, but foresight gives you a huge, huge jump, right? So... Uh, foresight also is part of the know thyself, right? Um, I have to be careful. I've got, I've got this habit that when X happens, I do Y, right? Which should be a part of the training to fix as well, right? But anyway, so this is, this is about how to see, okay? And so in a minute, we're going to go back to this cop eye moment. My wife calls it cop eye. This cop eye moment that I had on this cruise ship, watching this party go on. And took less than a minute for me to identify five different types of people. Okay? And so what I want to do is I want to share those five types. But this is in the context of something happening Things go sideways very, very quickly, and self-defense or survival action is necessary. Okay? Now, I'm thinking in the context of physical violence coming from a human being. I did not classify people based on the ship having trouble, and we need to evacuate. Okay? Let's be very clear that the way I'm going to be coming at this has to do with my realm of, we'll call it expertise. Okay? Not, see, in, in that situation, I'm one of these people that's going to default to 
the professionals that are on board that are, that have decades of experience as sailors and they already have processes and procedures. Okay. So uh, anyway, before we do that, though, I know we've been going at this for a little while. Um, who do we have on, James? Uh, we have Jared, Trinity, Dave, Jimmy, and Julia. Awesome. We had a bunch more earlier. I don't know if the system just dropped them off or what, but it's like they all disappeared at one time. Anyway, are they all in the same place? Are they all on YouTube or Facebook or? Majority's on YouTube. Okay, fair enough. All right, so, and we're not, I'm not ignoring anybody that's listening in my future uh, via the uh, podcasting directories. Apple, what is it? Apple Podcast or Apple Play? What is it? Google Play, Apple Podcast, right? Right. Stitcher, Pandora. We're on Pandora, right? Yes. Pandora. Stitcher's gone. Pandora's. That's right. Pandora. Bunch of them. We're, we're on hundreds of directories. So if you're listening through those, then it's already not February 12th because of the way the system and the way these systems crawl things and get them uploaded, but it's not February 12th, 2024. So you're already in my future. But I like to make sure everybody feels included and uh, spoken to. So even though you can't see me. Um, anyway. All right. So were any, any questions, comments other than the, hey, how are you? Whatever. No. no? Okay. Okay. So um, let's do this then. Um, I'm going to go through the list. This isn't a particular order. This is actually, well, I'll tell you what it is afterwards. Gave you this uh, classification, and it wasn't like I was looking for these people. Again, when my wife calls me on the cop eyes thing, she it usually comes in this format, right? What are you looking at? And she's alluding to the idea that I'm either I'm I mean I'm always processing things, but that I'm judging or I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? Who are you looking at? What? Are, and sometimes I am. Most of the times I'm not. If I am, I'll let her know because she know she should know by now that I have a look. Right? <laughs> For certain types of people, I have a look. But if it's a blank look and it just looks like I'm scanning, then there's no left brain thinking going on. I'm not talking to myself. Right? That's another aspect of, of mind work and psychology. Right? If you narrate life to yourself, you only live like half of your life because you're in a new moment, but you're talking to yourself about a past one in this moment, which means you're not fully engaged in this moment. But if you're talking to yourself, you're also using slower uh, uh, psychological functions, using different faculties. You're not paying attention in the moment, all that. Anyway, so, uh, but usually it's, I'm looking at everything and nothing. I'm watching everything and nothing. Okay? It's just what watchdogs do. Anyway, so uh, originally this was four. I thought about this uh, much more earlier today, yesterday, something like that, and uh, tossed an extra one in. But anyway, so let's just go through this. And I'll, most of you that have that are in this realm, uh, combat vet, uh, law enforcement, uh, active security. 
even firefighters and, and guys like that that have been in situations where you need to pay attention, um, you'll you'll recognize what's going on uh, order-wise here. But either way, right? Um, so uh, first first one that I recognized, and this is probably the probably the thing that caused me to scan the rest of the group, right? Just looking around, and I saw someone who it was obvious to me. Oh, and by the way, they were not, uh, they didn't look like they uh, were weightlifters or even went to the gym. They were older, um, and they weren't in the 20-something, 12-pack ab uh, shape kind of thing, right? But they looked like someone who could take care of themselves, and they were paying attention. They were actively looking around and paying attention. And I know what their psychology was like because their body wasn't moving very much. Okay? And then, since I noticed them, I think I made a little bit more of a concerted effort to start looking for others that looked like they could take care of themselves. And they were paying attention. Okay? And I think I saw two others. Now, we're talking about an atrium, if you've ever been on a cruise ship. It's deck three, midship when you walk in, usually a big bar, but it's a huge, huge area. Uh, furniture, which they clear away for these big parties, turns into a giant dance floor. It goes from deck three, the floor, all the way up to the skylights, right? However big that ship is, right? This one was 14, uh, 14 decks. 12, I think, was where the skylight was. So pretty high, right? And then you've got all these other decks that are up, that are open, but they have a railing uh, glass and, and whatnot that everybody was leaning over and just having a good old time and whatnot because you can't fit everybody down in the atrium. Anyway, so um, I started noticing them and see in the process of looking for more of the first guy, I noticed some people in this next category. And that was people who can take care of themselves if something happens and they can act. Okay? So they look like they can take care of themselves. There's a, there's a look and there's an edge. Um, typically, it's a very calm edge. Right? Um and so what I mean by if they can act, what I mean is they're not paying attention as much. They look like they can handle themselves, but they're not paying attention as much. Okay, James, that makes sense? Right. So they're going to be in the situation before they realize they're in the situation. Okay, They're not going to see it coming together, and they're not going to see it coming in their direction or where it's happening or whatever, it's, it's going to be upon them, right? Came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. Okay. So they're going to be late in the game mentally, even though physically and mentally and uh, spirit wise, they, they can handle themselves. Right. Uh, the question is, will they be able to, or will they get caught in the crossfire? And I don't necessarily mean guns are involved or whatever. Okay. Because, there's a group of people that I'm going to be mentioning that can 
create quite an explosion and crossfire and become major problems. And they have nothing to do with the attackers that they, the people intending to do harm, but they are a type of attacker and they do lots of harm. They just have no intent. Okay. So again, the more we can think about these things, the more we can take them into account and put them into our training, say sheen, the more we're prepared for. The more insight we have, the more foresight we have. The more intuitive sight we have, the more clear we are in knowing what to look for, what to dismiss, how to prioritize, and how to assess the situation in a given moment. Okay? I know. I know this is harder than doing an Ichimoji no Kata. Sorry. All right. So, again, while I was looking for group number one and noticing these guys, I also bypassed people who were in a different group. These people may be able to at least help. Okay? That means that they, I don't know whether they can or they can't take care of themselves. I'm going to hedge in their direction because they're bigger uh, they look like they've been around the block more than once kind of thing. And so if I yelled instructions like, hey, stop that guy, right, they'd probably reach out and do it, right? Um, but they weren't paying attention or okay, they have put themselves into what I'm going to call an unproductive state. You know what that means? They're already two drinks too far into the paradigm. Okay? So even if they can, they may not be able to because they've compromised themselves. Okay? Some of you have heard me tell a story uh, that I got from Asumisate a long time ago. I think it might even be in one of his books. Um, he used to drink quite a bit. And uh, he would go uh, out with a couple of what we, we get, what we started to know as Shidoshi, Shihan. Now, I don't even know if any of them are on the Soke list because a couple have passed away long before they got we got this far. But anyway, um, they went out drinking. It was the end of the night, and they were bringing Soke home. He knew where he was. Still a long. Singing, you know, think Yagi-san and, and uh, the Karate Kid, right? <laughs> da, da, da. Anyway, so they, they get to his house and they're laughing and yucking it up and all that. And they go to take him inside and he doesn't want to go. And they laugh it off and they try to help him inside. And what Sensei says is he has no recollection of his actions, but one that ended up unconscious and one that ended up in the hospital with one of his ribs sticking to his torso. And uh, that was the last of his binge drinking after that because he had this realization. If I have no control over myself and my discernment faculties are impaired, either I'm going to be in a situation where a blackout drunk and anybody can blame me for anything, and I can't defend myself because I don't know. 
or I spent all this time, effort, money, resources, intent, and whatnot, developing skills, abilities, awareness, knowledge, all that kind of stuff to be able to be that warrior protector. And I'm going to put my body into a condition where my balance is compromised. My reflexes are slowed. My, you get the idea. Okay. So that's what I'm seeing, right? I saw people that were not in group one or two. They were, they were impaired, right? But of course, along the way, I also noticed another group, group four, right? And I saw these all throughout the cruise. I see you and I see these all the time, right? The trick is to not be them, okay? And that is those who present themselves as someone who can take care of themselves, right? They try to walk the talk, okay? Or they talk to talk, whatever, right? They look, they carry themselves, right? A certain way, but who will fold when tested, The psychology behind that, from one perspective, is they present themselves boldly as a way to get to that position first. It's a defense mechanism. If I present myself this way, even threatening, even being the bully who beats people up or whatever, right? If I do that first, I'm less likely to have to deal with somebody who's going to do that to me. Right? That's psychology anyway. It only works against people that are weaker than that. Okay. Um, but I saw plenty of people who looked like they could, they, they looked like they were presenting the tough guy image or the tough girl image. But, um, and I've told this, I've mentioned this many times that trips to Japan, other seminars and police work. And this is not just the everyday person. This is people who are wearing badges and military uniforms and all that as well. But I saw it a lot in this art and I'm not knocking the art. This is not about the art. This is not about the teachers. Okay. Um, but I saw people, I've seen people training. I've seen people who have training groups and dojo and whatnot that, they, they know a lot of techniques. They know a lot of skills. They're very, very skilled technicians. They're very knowledgeable about history and things. But, and those of you who know what I'm talking about will, will know what I mean when I say, when I look in their eyes, I can tell that they don't have a single violent bone in all of their body. Okay. And that doesn't take away from them being a nice person. That doesn't take away from them being valuable in other ways or whatever. But they should thank all the gods and whatever that people believe in um, that they found a martial art where they can rank very, very highly and have that personality. Because this is really about walking a sword's edge. We're not... We're not one side or the other. Okay? This is there's this analogy that we have in the in in the in the uh, Ushi arts, right? In Budo, that the warrior walks the sword's edge. Peace is on one side, and extreme 
cold violence is on the other. Right? We walk the sword's edge. Capable and willing to step off on whichever side is needed to accomplish the task at hand. But then we were turned back to that thing. So it's a balancing act. Right? It's, and I don't mean an act like you're acting. I mean, it's, it's, that's the skill, right? Being able to maintain that balance. Right? In, in Nikyo, we would say the middle way. It's always about the middle way. Right? But if you waver, if you get stuck or whatever, you'll get cut by the blade. Right? It'll be your, you know, the cause of your own downfall. Either you'll be on one side and so peaceful, but deluded and believing that you can do what's necessary against the monsters that you'll get yourself killed. Or, so far on the other side, um, that you're just the tough guy, and then that'll get you killed a whole different way. Right? Or just leave you lonely. Whatever. Okay? But anyway, what's left? Right? Well, what's left is group number five. And that were those who didn't have a clue outside of their own moment-to-moment bubble and who you will have to navigate around when something happens. These people will either freeze or they will drop in place or they will panic and stampede. Okay? So... Again, dojo training can be very, very deceptive, right? Because you're in an open space. I don't care if you're in a field, backyard, or an actual dojo or whatever. You're in an open space. There's plenty of space around you, right? Um, He's always in front of you, whether you're sparring or you're, uh, you know, you're doing technique training or whatever, right? There's nobody screaming next to you. There's nobody grabbing a hold of you and trying to spin you around as uh, a shield between them and the monster that's coming at them. And now suddenly you're between them or they're hanging on to you and clutching. Right. Because you're their savior and, and rock. Right. That's family, friends, kids, whatever. Right. There's nothing to trip over. There's nobody banging into you, right? Knocking you off balance. And these, these are important things, right? But at the base of it all, one, the, sk- the skill of seeing has to be developed. Two, the psychology and how we process it. For me, I mean, you can do you, but for me, um, a lot of my guys, James, you know, a lot of people have been to seminars or been to class know what I do. I'll put obstacles out in the, in the training floor. I'll box you in. I'll put you in a tight space where there's like eight or ten of you in uh, what, a six or eight foot square mm-hmm. thing with obstacles and walls all around and your your own obstacles as well, right? Um, or whatever, right? So um, I have found it important to wire some of these things in, right? The guys will be training and stuff, and I'll walk right between attacker and defender, like somebody who has no clue, and walk right through, or I'll walk up behind somebody, right, tag them on the shoulder when they should be moving to combine, avoiding. They look at me and get punched in the face, 
that kind of thing, right? Because they can't focus on what's important in that moment. They got sidetracked. Or because they've got some kind of weird, I don't know, fear about sensei. If I get too close, I'm going to hit him or whatever, right? So now this anxiety picks up and they stop paying attention to the training partner. Or I'll yell at the training partner, right? I distracted the defender. And the training partner was nice enough to wait while they were distracted looking at me. Why the hell didn't you punch him? You had the perfect opportunity. Well, you were talking to him. Yeah. You were going to punch him. You think an attacker is going to wait because there was a scream or somebody called their name and they looked? They're going to wait until they're paying attention? What the hell is that? Okay. So uh, if you've noticed, what I did was I started off with the fewest in the room to the majority. Group five made up the biggest we're talking 60, 70% of the room, right, of the gathering, right? And then percentages went down. I think I counted a total of three that was in the number one, right? They could take care of themselves and were paying attention. Now, of course, all 4,000 passengers, not crew, but all 4,000 passengers were not at that party. But there were a couple hundred. Okay, And from my vantage point, I couldn't see the people under me that kind of thing. There could have been one or two others. But in a bad situation, I need to know who will be functioning, who I can coordinate with, who I can depend upon, who I might be able to use, right? who I can use for other things, like uh, group three, right? who may be able to uh, at least help, but isn't paying attention or whatever. So group two, group three. Either one, right? So somebody may be able to take care of themselves. They've been in fights or they're physical and they're, they're physically strong and they're the kind of person who moves toward danger, but maybe they're, maybe they're not trained. Right? Or somebody else that's clear-headed and they're looking, their brain is in a, what do I do? What can I do? Right? That person, like, I could, I could yell at them, call 911 now. And they'll just do it because now they know what to do. They have something to do, right? Or grab him, pull him, get him out of there, right? And they'll do that kind of thing, but they need direction. Right? This is this is field commander shit. This is right? this is this is thinking way beyond just dunking, ducking punches and uh, you know who's going to shoot who first and whatever. Okay? But again, it's one of those things that I saw uh, in this. You know, one thing I saw in this 10 day period, but, um, I, I, this is one, again, one of those things that, you know, it was a party. I mean, come on, sensei, it was a party, right? I mean, did you really expect for something to go wrong? No, I don't expect anything to go wrong, but for me to not be prepared in the event that, then I'm not, I'm not the warrior that I think I am. And it takes seconds. It takes seconds. It's kind of like when I pull up to a red light. Right? I, I have a five-point safety check. I look at the four corners, and I look at my rearview mirror. I might check my side view mirrors. But I look at the four corners because I'm establishing a baseline. And 99.89% of the time, there's nothing. People stand there. People waiting to cross. Whatever, right? But 
if there's jack wagons screwing around, guess who gets my attention until the light turns green and I can pull away? Because in a traffic situation, chances are you're not going to be hijacked while you're driving. You're going to be hijacked or something bad's going to happen while you're sitting still. Right? So it's that kind of thing. I have a framework for entering a restaurant. Right? We've got that uh, danger prevention tactics, thinking or uh, protecting yourself like a pro uh, that was put out right after the 9-11 attacks. A production company had contacted me about doing a video that didn't have physical self-defense techniques in it, but it, in, in our eight phases framework, it handles uh, phases one through three, right? So, but there's things in there on uh, clearing a building, escaping a building that was similar to 9-11. It doesn't matter if it's your, the place is on fire, it's falling down, whatever, how to do those kind of things. Uh, being attacked in traffic, there's a bump and rob scenario that's in there, if you know what that is. Um, all kinds of stuff, right? Public transportation. Right? Um, anyway, so that's what I have, right? So let's just open it up, right? Questions, comments, anybody not know, can't relate to any of those five groups of people that uh, I had mentioned? What do you got, James? Dave said the last group or who my father refers to as zombies. Yeah, I had a teacher who used to call them little gray people, and he didn't mean aliens. They're the ones that you typically don't pay attention to because there's nothing um, extraordinary about them, right? You see them for a second, a minute, or whatever, but five minutes later you couldn't fucking remember them and you couldn't describe them, right? Because they're just they're just moving through life, right? Um, in Ninjutsu, they're important on two sides. It's that double-edged blade. They're important in two sides. On one side, um, you have to account for them because they're they're unpredictable, because they don't pay attention and they don't train or have any kind of skill sets, right? They're going to they're gonna do what all animals that, that panic do, right? They're gonna scream, they're gonna stampede, whatever. Okay. But on the other side, from the ninja standpoint, you learn to become, you learn to look like one. You learn to blend in with them. Okay? Stealth and invisibility in plain sight is about being perceived like one of those gray people because, or one of those zombies. Because if you stand out, right, you attract attention. Okay? So, uh, the um, there, there's in the scrolls there's a line that is the epitome of stealth, which is to become invisible in the eyes of the enemy. Okay. This is one of those aspects, right? So one of the study areas that we had that I had with uh, Stephen Hayes when I was still with him was to spend time. And it took a while psychologically to like start paying attention to things because Boca's region in your brain is designed to filter out all that stuff because it's a survival mechanism. You want to pay attention to the thing that is new. It stands out because you got to figure it out. But as soon as you figure it out, guess what? It drifts into the gray area. So uh, Mikio training is all about like 
highlighting the stuff. But one of the one of the uh, exercises that we had was to spend time studying, as Dave said, the zombies, the, the gray people, right? And what makes them that way? I don't mean as people. I don't mean as a person, as an individual, right? What qualities do they share? Okay. Quickest way for me to stand out in a group without speaking, without dressing flamboyantly or anything like that, is to walk with proper tides. No arm swing, body in alignment, no sway, nothing like that. I get attention just like that. As soon as I start imitating the sway, I imitate arm swing, I just start, you know, either just looking ahead like I'm in deep thought or I'm, um, I know where I'm going and nothing else matters kind of thing, right? Then people stop looking at me. So there's this study, right? In this case, seeing. What am I looking at? Okay. So first part of this, the, the majority of this session has been me discussing them as impediments. But there's a whole other area of our training that Uda side for a ninja is how do I put myself in that category in an attacker's mind? Interesting, huh? All right, what else we have? Uh, Trinity said, those are the ones I try to emulate when perceived. I try to remain unremarkable to those who shouldn't know me yet. And the irony is that makes you more remarkable um, as a human being, as somebody with skill, because it makes you more chameleon-like. So Trinity's my daughter, for those of you who don't, don't know. She's uh, studying to go into the world of Information gatherers. <laughs> and she does psychology and all kinds of stuff. So um, we have long and very interesting conversations. Anyway, what else? Uh, right now, that was it. Uh, I'd have longer conversations with James. He just doesn't talk that much. And after I'm done with this, my wife will be upset because I won't talk that much. That's it? Seriously? Yes, All right. So, uh, good. All right. So, yeah, we, we should be good. We'll just keep moving forward. Uh, if anybody has any topic ideas or questions or whatever that they would like for me to cover in future uh, episodes. Um, is, is Jared still on? I think I covered Jared's topic uh, a while back. Yeah, I did. The history of different ninja groups mm. and stuff like that. I covered that one. Okay. So, um, yeah, but topics, whatever. I mean, I'm sure I can come up with something. We have nine official schools and a shit ton of other ones and lots of other realms of training. Uh, but it'd be nice to tailor this to, especially those of you who are regular listeners. So if you're listening in on the, on the other podcast services, right? Uh, you can send a message to warrior C at warrior dash concepts dash online dot com. Uh, just put in the field, just put Kuden topic, uh, suggestion, idea, something like that. Um, and, um, you know, if it has broad enough appeal, uh, I will put together something and 
whether it does or doesn't, you'll still get an answer back from me. And if, if it requires um, an answer, well, they all require answers. Um, if it's not something I'm going to cover as a full episode, I'll just give you the answer. Um, even if it is something I'm going to cover, it's probably going to be a week or longer before it pops up on the schedule. Uh, but you'll get something workable um, to be able to, you know, to use in the interim, something to get you started. Because that's what I do. You said do. <laughs> anyway, it's a long day, I'm, and I'm not done yet. But I've got work to do. All right. So is that it? Nothing else? Uh, Trinity just popped in. I've also learned that acting just a little crazy makes people avert their eyes in the big cities. Yep. Act uh, crazy. Act homeless. Don't act lost. Right? Don't act like you don't know where you're going. Right. Uh, another one that works really well is, is to look hurried, like you're late for something. beans. And then if, if that doesn't work and they get in your face, you can default it crazy. She's done acting and singing and all kinds of stuff during uh, during her long life. <laughs> so uh, I laugh because she's my youngest. Um, so, you know, just belt out an operetta or something like that. You know, if they get in, get in your face, whatever. Change voices. Start talking to that voice that's not in your head. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> and when all else fails, start a commotion and then slip out from the inside of it. It's nothing quite like creating a disturbance. By the time people look, you're three to five steps ahead. So turn and look back at the disturbance you created it but turn and look back and now you blend in with everybody else who's trying to figure out what happened and nobody will know that you're the one that made it happen okay what do we always say in class it's a timing thing right yeah all right cool beans see trent only did the uh the uh the taijutsu part coming up through the kids' class and stuff. Now she's all Jones and throwing the psychology and uh, all this other sneaky ninja bastard stuff. Works for me. All right. Is that it? Yes, sir. All right. Well, I don't want to talk to you people anymore anyway. But, all right. No, I'm just kidding. A little bit. <laughs> All right, that's it. If there's nothing else, then uh, you've either put people to sleep or I bored them to death or you don't know what to ask. Um, That's it. Either way, I'm going to wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.